tonight is a revival service. You know, I was telling Phyllis, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's even, if I can just be a little candid, um, I appreciate you giving me the ability as your pastor to operate um, in the gifts. Um, Paul, go ahead and turn on the, the lights for me while I'm speaking out so I can see everybody, if you don't mind. Um, you know, because we don't often operate in that in, in a Sunday morning, and, and there's a reason. If, there's always a why. You know, there, there's a couple of things. Sunday morning for us um, is not the day we do everything. It's the front door of the church. It's like, man, I got to just, I got to connect people to the power of God. Because here's the power of the Holy Spirit. Someone said, well, why don't you, why don't you pray in tongues every day? And I, man, I'm telling you, when I first launched this church, I had people say, you're not spiritual enough. Like, like, why aren't you? And, and I thought, well, what is spirituality? You know what spirituality is? Making disciples. And I think we've been doing a pretty good job of that. So, so we can't equate spirituality with speaking in tongues and the gifts of the, of the Spirit all operating in, and then just this flowing of music, which I, I grew up in that. It shaped me, man. We, my God, we didn't have to worry about fighting anybody for, for lunch. We weren't ever out of church till 1.30. You know what I mean? It was like church. We just, we, the Baptists always beat us. Like it was like because you had church. And in church, what we used to do is we'd do everything we knew how to do in one service. But what we do is this. Steve, you laughing. You know, right? I heard you. It's like you just, we do it all. We're going to prophesy. We're going to do all things. But here's what we know. We, we, have a, a, we have a system to help people get baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's called freedom. Freedom. Because here's what you got to know. It's not only being baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're not in a freedom small group, you need to join one in February. If you've not done it, because it's about getting rid of those areas of bondage in your life there's seven major areas that we we struggle in bondage pride lust and and so what we want to do is we want to systematically disciple you and then we have a freedom conference where you renounce those things and then you're totally empty of yourself and now you request the power of god and you're full every time we've done it, i've never seen one person act crazy the reason people act a little weird is because you didn't get rid of all the junk and there's moments like tonight where it's sovereign, it's like great, and God moves. But man, I want to disciple people through it. Why? Because how many have ever seen someone baptized the power of their whole spirit, and then a month later they lost it? Well, you didn't lose it. You just didn't understand it because you can't lose it. And I want to give you the understanding that gives you something that you walk the rest of your life with. And so Sundays, what is it? That's our opportunity to reach the lost. That's the opportunity for us. The number one goal of Sunday is to connect people to the love of God. It's the love of God that saved us. And then when I have a, a church that falls in love with God, guess what happens next? Now you become a disciple. You're never going to be a disciple out of religion. I'm not going to be a disciple because i got to be good enough. I'm a disciple because I fall in love with Jesus. And when you fall in love, it's like, man, that's, that's why it says, if you, if you love me, obey my, my commandments. And some people say, well, my God, you know, that's so burdensome. No, no. He's saying, look, it, it's like you didn't have to ask me. I don't, I don't have to. Work hard to be faithful to Phyllis. Why? Because I love Phyllis. And think about this. The more you're in love with your spouse, the less tempting anything else is. The, the, the problem with sin, sin is not, sin is not a discipline issue. It's, it's a love issue. So when someone starts sinning in their life, always just go back to, how's your, how's your relationship with God? Oh, well, you know, I stopped praying. Okay. Yeah, that's always an indicator. Stop reading my Bible. But if you love me, you'll obey me. Why? Because I love you. I, I, I don't want to go nowhere else. 
So it's a, it's, a, it's a discipleship. And so I love the revival nights, and thank you for allowing me just to, to flow in it because I was telling Steve, I don't even know if our kids have ever even been in services like this. You know, we've done a couple, but I just think as we continue, especially we get our own bill, we're going we're to do more of these. We've got we to just press in and lean in. We've got to say, God, it's, we, we're hungry for more. And, and here's, here's what I know. I promise you, we, I never let it get crazy, and we're just, we're going to be all, it's like, okay, God, we're going to flow, and then we're going to operate, and then, and, and we're going to be better for it, amen? Uh, I want to talk just briefly, I'm going to continue the conversation from this morning, I've been in this whole series, which you guys know, the Kingdom Culture series, I hope you enjoyed it, I, I, this morning, man, what a powerful word this morning, I didn't preach for you, I preached for me. I was like, man, God, you're so good. If you want victory in the valley, you got to get victory in the field. Like, man, the little things, the little areas of our lives. And uh, tonight, what I, I just felt led to talk about was promotion comes from the field. So promotion comes from the field. Like, like sometimes as a Christian, we can try to... Well, we'll get frustrated because we live for God, and then God's moving on Brother Awesome's life and Sister Amazing's life, and it doesn't seem to be happening in my life. And so then what we do is we start to holy hint and holy manipulate things. Like I try to make it happen and control, and then we end up making a mess. You know, you, you say something you shouldn't have said because you thought it would get you something you wanted. And so I have learned the, I probably learned it in my mid-twenties. I had the privilege of being raised in a godly home. I went to church every weekend with my, my, my parents would send us and take us to church. We went to every youth camp, every youth service. Didn't matter how I was doing, whether I was loving God or not, I was at church. And there is a power to just being in church every time the doors are opened but one of the things that I learned in my mid-20s was that promotion doesn't come from man. Promotion comes from God. When you look at Psalm 75, 6, and 7, it's important for you to understand you don't climb the, the, the corporate ladder the way the world does. You don't climb the ladder of influence the way the world does. Remember, you were saved, so now you can't operate the world's kingdom. You operate in, in God's kingdom. The kingdom of God has a different way. The kingdom of God says, if I'm faithful in the field, God will promote me from the field. And I mean, you look at, look at Joseph. Joseph was in the prison. And, and, and just speaking about Joseph, he's thrown out of Potiphar's house in jail. He has become the warden of the jail. We got the cupbearer and the baker. They're in there just chilling. And so Pharaoh's mad at him. And then all of a sudden, they both have dreams, and you know the cupbearer starts to tell the, 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 the Joseph about the, the dream, and he says, man, I was this, and it was three days, and, and Joseph says, oh, here's the interpretation of the dream. In three days, Pharaoh will restore you back to being the cupbearer. And then the baker's like, well, I got a dream too. And he tells Joseph the dream, and Joseph says, in three days, you will be impelled you will die. I mean, I'm like, no, 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 hold up. I want his interpretation. And here's what's amazing. Three days later, guess what happens? Cupbearers restored, bakers impaled. And here's where Joseph messed up. When you get out of here, please remember me. And tell, he's like, just tell someone, tell Pharaoh about me. So here's the deal. He was helping God 
get him out of a tough situation. No, 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 no. God's like, boom, two more years. Just going back around that mountain. Come on. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. You know, it's like just, I've already told you, if we keep our mouth shut, half the battle is just close your mouth, close your mouth, close your mouth. So you say, okay, another lap. And then finally, Pharaoh has a dream. The cupbearer says there was a man in prison. Of course, we know the story. He interprets the dream and he's promoted. Here's what I always look at, and I love this about his life. There was no path from the prison to the palace. There is no path from the field to the throne. Not by God's ways. And so you just got to surrender all of that. You got to say, look, I know promotion comes from jockeying from position. I know it comes from putting people down and making everybody look inferior to me. But that's not God's kingdom. God's kingdom is, look, you be faithful. You serve. You love. You promote. You go and give 110%. Even if they don't value you, they don't know you, they don't cherish you, they may even say mean things about you. It's okay. I don't do this for you. I do this for God. Then what happens is your boss will promote you, sit across from you and say, I don't even like you. And I'm not sure why I'm promoting you, but I'm going to promote you anyway. And I'll be like, I know why you promote me because my God has the heart of a king in his hand. So look at Psalm 75, 6 and 7. I, I, didn't, I didn't know if I gave you that one in enough time, but it says promotion comes neither from the east nor the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and sets up another. So God, promotion comes from you. Okay, so, so how do I set myself up? You gotta be faithful in the field. Gotta be faithful in, I, I, I love David because I thought about his anointing. He was anointed king but yet he was a shepherd. So he had an anointing to operate at a higher level, but he functioned at a lower level. So it's like I got the gift to teach, but you're asking me to go scrub toilets. I got the gift to preach, but you want me to go out there and park cars. Come on, somebody. I got the gift to whatever gift, whatever anointing that's on your life. If you knew the anointing that's on my life, it's like, no, 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 I know it. But you know what? There's always the testing in the field. It's like, that's great. That's awesome. But God looks at the heart, not the gift. A lot of gifted people that can't carry the gift that God's placed in their life. You know, I, I took our staff a couple of months ago to the graveyard before COVID. Probably a couple of months, but almost a year ago. And, and we went out there to the graveyard. And one of the things I was trying to show them is look at all of this unfulfilled purpose. Graveyards are probably the richest places in the world. Untapped gifts, untapped talents dreams. Think of all the unfulfilled dreams that God placed in people that they came, they lived, and now they're buried with unfulfilled potential and purpose. They didn't understand the principle of the field. If you want to walk in the anointing of a king, you've got to submit to the calling of a shepherd. So God will always anoint you in a greater way than you're functioning. Always. There's this call upward. It's like, okay, I'm anointed. Look, I've been anointed. To pass. I, I want you to know, in fact, I was anointed as a, I was ordained as a pastor in 2007. But I didn't start pastoring until 2013. So there's this anointing. And, and I remember, I'll never forget getting anointed, or, you know, back then, the, what do we call it? We call it the ordination of, I was at another ministry. And I'm like, God, this is so weird. But I'll do it because it's a great tax benefit. Come on, somebody. I'm like, praise God. Woo! 
And so I didn't understand what God, but God was, God was setting me up. It was a holy setup. And I'm like, but I'm over here, God. I don't know. I said, but it's great. Okay. They must see something. I had no plan, no idea. And God's like, look, I need to give you the anointing, but now I've got to place you in the field. I want to give you where you're going, but right now I've got to give you the character that's going to keep you once you get there. So we got to surrender to the calling of where we're at. The calling is just your vocation. It's like, what are you doing right now? Where are you working right now? What are you operating in right now? And so I know you're a king, but will you operate as a shepherd? Will you be faithful? Will you allow God to work on your character? God used the field to develop what would one day be needed by David in the palace. You never go back and, because, see, we, we think that crisis builds character. Crisis reveals character. It's the crisis that reveals what's lacking and what's not there. And so I thought about this, and, and I'm just going to do it real quick. So you're just going to have to go with me. This, this is a revival service, so we're just going to, I'm not going to set it all up. But I do want you to see something that if you will grab a hold of will serve your life well. What you sow in private, you always reap in public. What I sow, the disciplines, the choices, the, the decisions that I do when nobody's around. You walk past that piece of paper, you don't pick it up. That's a seed you're sowing. Yeah, but that's not my trash. No, 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 no. Like here, even on this campus, I just tell you the Dream Center, and trust me, there's a lot of things I don't do well, but this is one thing that when I drive on that Dream Center, if there's a beer bottle, which I don't know why they keep throwing beer bottles up in the Dream Center, I'm like, yo, this is holy ground. God, smite that truck. Smite that car. Some little styrofoam cup that held some Diet Coke or something up in there. I go pick it up. Why? Because that's God's campus. Well, you're the pastor. No, no, I get it. But I saw the problem, so that means I'm the solution to that problem. Why would I pass the buck to someone else when God's like, oh, it's just a test. Listen, that's just a test. Think about your job. Think about your place of employment. All the little places that, and here we live in a day that compromise is no big deal. There is no such thing as this real standard. It's like, hey, just be glad the job got done. No, that's not the kingdom of, of God. God doesn't operate like just be glad it got done. God operates in values. And so when you work at your place, when you're in ministry, it ought to look totally different than everybody else. Why? Because there is character that was established in your life that represents the kingdom of heaven. Remember, kingdom culture, the kingdom of God within me impacting the world around me. And sometimes we think that's just when you pray. That's when you go and visit somebody in the hospital. No, kingdom impact is living a life of excellence. It's I'm picking up the trash. It's I'm going to return back to order the things that others would walk past. It's I'm going to be on time to work. It's I'm going to stay till the end of the day. I'm not going to cheat the boss. I'm not going to steal stuff. I'm going to make sure that I'm a steward. Why? Because that's kingdom culture impacting those that I'm around. And so I thought, okay, how is it that what I sow in private, I'll reap in public? And I was telling you about the field. Promotion comes from the field. There's three areas. I said it this morning. Three main things that when David was promoted to a position that opened up his life, he was found faithful in the field. So think about Samuel. Here's Samuel. He comes to anoint David. Jesse says, all my sons are here. All seven were there. No, this in them. There's one more. He was in the field. And uh, look at what 1 Samuel 16, 7 says. I'm going to read a couple of passages and then give you my thought. 
says, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. For the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but God, you, but the Lord looks at the heart. So when I look at Samuel found David in the field, I often look at, there's, there's this, what's happening? And I think it goes back to, and I don't know, I probably could figure a better way because I've been thinking about this, but I don't know if I got it all figured out. It kind of goes back to your reputation, right? Which is so in private, you reap in public. And I thought, I thought about this. What about three areas of our life where there's a reputation? What about our reputation with God? Our reputation with people or the community? And then our reputation with family? Because how many of you know, all three of those can be different with the same person. Like God sees one thing and people see another and your family's like, yo, if you only knew. Come on, thank God for wives that keep us all humble. She's like, baby, tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. Come on, you tell them. Don't, don't lie. Don't fluff it. Don't, don't exaggerate. So you got all these, 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 these areas of influence. So I have, this, I have this area of influence with God. I have an area of influence with, with public and the people around me. And then I have this area of influence with my family. And so when you look at Samuel, the thing that I pulled out that I thought with David, because I think David represents God. I mean, Samuel represents God, right? So my reputation with God, my influence with God, what did God see in David? Well, Acts 13, 22 says, but God removed Saul, replaced him with David, a man whom God said, I've found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He was willing to do whatever I want. And so I thought there's really two things that we could pull out. There's, there's more, but kingdom values, kingdom culture. The first one, humility and obedience. So write that down, humility and obedience. So in my sphere of influence with God, what I need to walk in, humility and influence. See, David was humble. He said, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. It's not about my agenda. This church has never been about my agenda. Someone say, well, you know, that's your vision. I often go back and say, no, that, that's God's vision. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, make a difference. It's actually found all through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So I just happen to tap into it. And so that's where we say, this is God's vision. This is your church. God, whatever you want to do, do it in this place. Humility says, okay. I don't know it all. I don't understand it all. I may not even like it all, but it doesn't matter. I don't get to vote. It's not a democracy. It's a theocracy. So God, I'm going to walk in humility. And then obedience. And, and really the thought I had with obedience is it's really servanthood. Because see, when you're a servant, th think about a master to, to an owner. Uh, servants don't have their own rights and their own ability. What do they do? They surrender their rights. And so when the master says jump, they say how high. So in America, thank God we don't have that system set up anymore. Slavery has been abolished. Now I know there's spiritual slavery. I still know there's, there's racial inequalities and things like that. But what I'm talking about is the concept of an owner and a servant. And we have lost that in Christianity we want to be independent. God, I want you to touch me. I want to be connected to your source, but I want to be independent. No, 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 no. There's a subordination that has to happen. You want to walk in someone's authority, you got to subordinate to their authority. If I want to walk in his power, i got to subordinate. 
Why? Because the power didn't come from me. The power came from God. And the only way to operate is to support. God, I serve you, whatever you will. And that's what David, look what it says. A man who would do whatever I wanted him to do. Matthew 23, 12, the greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's promotion. Second sphere of influence. I'm just going to move quickly. I just want to put this in your heart. I want you to go home and study it some more. Second sphere of influence would be with people. And we see this with Saul. So David was in the field now. So Samuel anoints him, pulls him out of the field. David is back in the field. And King Saul, I told you this morning, the moment David was anointed, the Bible says the anointing left Saul and sat on David. Back then, you couldn't be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus hadn't come and given his life. The Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out. And so the anointing of God, the Holy Spirit of God, would rest on one man. It would be like a prophet, a judge, or a king. So the Holy Spirit of God rests on David now. Saul is tormented. It says an evil spirit tormented Saul. So then Saul says, hey, listen, something's happening. And a servant says, listen, we need you to have someone that plays some, some anointed worship. And so I need you to find someone that can play the harp. Look at what, what they say. One servant says to Saul, now look at who's talking. It's a servant. A nobody. Someone who's insignificant. Listen, you better be careful how you treat people that you consider insignificant. That person that you verbally abused, that person that you did that mean, ugly thing might have been the one person that God was going to use to elevate you into a new level of promotion, but you failed the test. But here, look, so look, it says, servant saw, he said, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem, a talented heart player, not only that, so he's talented. That's a skill. It says not only that, he was a brave warrior, a man of war. He has good judgment. He's also good looking. Come on, how many know it don't hurt to be good looking too? Come on. Good looking young man. And the Lord's with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David, the shepherd. And one translation says, David who was in the field. So his reputation with the community with those people that were around. So they must have walked by the field and said, man, that sounds good. My God, can you hear him play? And then the courage, look, courage. So, so I thought the two values is excellence and courage. Excellence and courage. Like you don't get skilled without being excellent. Like there's something about it that's like, I'm not going to do a halfway job. I'm not just going to, have you ever heard someone that just tinkers with the guitar versus someone who learns how to play the guitar? David didn't tinker with the harp. You don't get some tinkering harp player for the king. You get someone who is skilled, someone who is excellent, someone who has polished their craft and said, man, and listen, here's the crazy thing. David didn't do it to go on tour. He wasn't on some holy tour across the nations of Israel. He was in the field worshiping Almighty God, which tells me there was a spirit of excellence that said, if I'm going to learn how to play this harp for my God, I'm going to learn how to do it with excellence. And that's where we realize, listen, what you do, I don't do it for people. So why are we slacking off? I find myself cutting corners or I'm not going to do that so well. I'm, no, no, God, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it for you. Well, nobody's watching. Oh, somebody's watching. A servant got David promoted to the palace. Look, he didn't go jockey for position. I need an internship. Somebody give me some internship right here because I've been anointed. No, 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 no. He just played in the field. Why? Because promotion comes from the field. Excellence and then courage. I mean, he was just bad to the bone. 
I mean, to have a reputation. Look at look what he said, because all we read earlier, if you remember, and you don't even see this side of him until later when he becomes the chief and the captain over the army. But look at what it says. He is a brave warrior, a man of war. He has good judgment. So that means he didn't back down when the going got tough. Listen, church, if we're going to carry the kingdom of God within us, we're going to have to get a backbone. We're going to have to have a spine. We're going to have to say sin is sin and right is right and wrong is wrong. Listen, that whole gray, there is no gray in the kingdom of God. Listen, it's either right or it's wrong. It's either sin or it's not. And so we're going to have to stand up. Look, I know, I know we want to be popular. I know we want people to like us, but I'm just, and I don't think you have to be like confrontational, but I think we got to stand up and say our values. So, hey, what do you think? Don't just say, oh, no, you know, what do you think? No, no. If they ask you what you think, tell them. Like, like be bold. Just look, there's going to have to be a day where we start praying for the sick. Look, at, at some point, we've got to demonstrate with courage and boldness. You may not fight a lion and a bear in the natural, but what kind of obstacle have we ran from instead of running to? Where is it where peer pressure has caused us to back down instead of going forward? They ought to say there's a church over there in Richmond and Rosenberg in the greater Houston area, and man, they are crazy. Like, they're courageous. They'll just go all in for God. Like, they're praying for the sick. They're they're out there doing the work of God and it don't matter what kind of hell comes against them. They just say, look, God is the one that promotes, not people. <laughs> Excellence and courage. Here's the third thing and I'm, I'm done. You guys come on out, Vanessa. We're just going to close with this and I just wanted to put this in your heart. Third one was Jesse calling David out of the field to go bring supplies to his brothers. And I thought about that. That's the relationship and the influence and the reputation that we have with our family. And I love what happens here because David was still back in the field. And, and here was something, and I hadn't written about this, but I, I'm going to preach this one day. And I'll probably preach it to some pastors or people in ministry. I don't know. i got all these little pocket messages that I feel like the Lord is just. But here is what's so interesting about David. It says David went back and forth. From the palace to the field. How many know transition is the hardest place to be faithful? I got a taste of the palace and I got to go back to the field? Like, that's the hardest thing, right? You, you give your two-week notice, what happens? Ah, oh, it doesn't really matter. I'm not really going to be here to clean all this mess up. Come on, somebody. You know, you're about to leave a, a, a rental house. What happens? You know, you was trying to take care of it, but now you, you're like, oh, no, nah, it don't matter. There's a hole in wall. We out in a week anyway. <laughs> Why transition? It's like, I'm here, but I'm not here. Like, I know it's mine, but it's not mine. And so think about the craziness of that transition. He gets a taste of royalty, a taste of excellence, a taste of the palace, a taste of power. And now you want me to go back with sheep? Like my servants that you're, like can't your servants do that? Like God, oh, I got to go. Oh, you want me to still chase lions and bears? No, no, dad, I'm, I'm anointed. This is what we know about Jesse. Jesse saw something in David that he sent him. And I know I clown and I say, Jesse sent him on an assignment, but God sent him on a mission. But it was an important assignment. 
His brothers had just been drafted into the army. They hadn't been there very long. And the fighting with Philistines was fierce. So he needed a boy that he could trust that could break past the enemy's line if the enemy had already attacked. Someone that had enough courage to not back down. Someone that said, even though the fighting is going on, I'm going to make it to my brothers. I'm going to bring the supplies to those that are in need. Not someone that would be afraid or intimidated or back down, but someone that was courageous. So I thought about two values. Dependability and trustworthiness. I can depend on you, and I can trust you. Because that's what we see. He said, look, see how your brothers are getting along. Bring back a report on how they're doing. Like, I just need you to come back. Like, like, these, are, these, like these are the soul of my heart. I just, just tell me how they're doing. Just come on back to me. They was trustworthy. And think about this. He could have came back with any kind of a report. How many have ever had a little bit of jealousy? So that meant Jesse trust him to tell him the truth. He wasn't going to make him look bad. You ever said something and you knew it made, look somebody, somebody made somebody look bad? I mean, just a little embellishment. Or maybe you didn't say anything at all. You just let the rumor kind of fly. Are you trustworthy? In that environment, would you speak truth? Are you going to let someone take the fall for something you did? Just keep your mouth shut. Nobody knows. God knows. And if we don't get that right, it's go take another lap. And the, the, the thing with the church, we ain't got a lot of time. We don't need to be taking no more laps. We need victory in the field because we got a lot of giants we got to fight. We got to get victory in the lives of the people that God has sent to us. Like we're out of time. Jesus is coming back, and I, I, I know some people are like, I don't want to come back. I want to come back, man. Are you kidding? Come on, Jesus. But I don't want him to come back to a church that's pitiful. He needs a bride that's spotless. That's what these revival services are about. God, we're going to step in. We ain't got it all figured out. Listen, hey, listen, you think that we're going to have free speech? We're not. We're going to do relationship series and we're going to talk about relationship between one man and one woman, no matter what it costs. We're going to talk about one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Oh, there's lots of ways. No, 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 no. There's one. And it's through Jesus. Yeah, but you can't talk like that. No, no, I got to talk like that. That's hate speech. No, you know what hate speech is? Silence. While the world dies and goes straight to hell. Hate speech is saying nothing. <laughs> saying nothing is where we stay comfortable. It's, it's selfish. I don't know about you, but if I'm dying, I want somebody to send me a lifeline. Help me. Well, if God was so good, why does he send so many people to hell? He don't send anybody to hell. He's so good. He sent his one and only son, his only begotten son, Jesus, so that we might receive life. The reason people go to hell is because they reject Jesus. And imagine that. If you were God, would you have come to earth? If you really think about it, it's like, I don't know, man. I'd rather a do-over. 
I just do it over. No, 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 he didn't say do over. He, he, he started back over with Noah, but he didn't wipe us all out. He said, there's a seed that is still worth saving. And what I'll do is I'm going to put the weight back on me. Jesus, you ready for an assignment? Yes, Father. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to go. So Jesus submits himself to the will of the Father, comes down. All man, all God submits to humanity. Can you imagine eternity fitting into the manhood of humanity? Submitting to the, the infinite, submitting to the finite. Now he can't do all that he could have done. It's like he's subject to the laws of this earth. But you know why he had to do it? He had to do it because man legally gave the rights of this earth away when they sinned. And so Jesus had to say, I'm going to come all man. That's why he was born. Listen, Jesus could have just appeared. But he wouldn't have had legal right. So Mary had to have him birth through her so that now he is man. And when he chooses to live a sinless life, now as all God, all man, when his blood was spilled on the cross, the price for sin was paid. He purchased back humanity. That's how much God loves us. That's how much he loves us. 